0: Uh, grateful to be uh, resuming a two-part series called A Greater Good. Today's title is Balance Inside and Out. I don't know about you, but I could use some more balance in my life. I'd like to begin by sharing a reading for 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. What's, what's so funny? And Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says, For now we see in a mirror darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know fully, even as also I was fully known. And from this passage, we get this mystical phrase that we love in our teaching, to know as we are known. What does it mean to know as we are known, to see ourselves as the divine sees us? Because in comparison to that, what Paul is saying, it's like we view ourselves in a mirror in a dark room. And sometimes the mirror's cracked, so we see ourselves fragmented or only partially. But not only is there this greater good, this greater presence that exists out there that sees us in our wholeness, but this wholeness This view of ourselves, this sacred vision, it's like a living, breathing thing in itself all around us all the time. Knowing the truth of who you are. Knowing every memory you ever had, even the ones you're not recalling. Perhaps even memories from other lives. Who knows? It can get that expansive. But it's always there and it's this real thing. And we can never capture all of it, but we can get it in glimpses in our lives when we can come back into balance with a willingness to be transparent to the heart of the divine within us, to know as you are known. But it takes balance. Balance is self-acceptance. That's the first thing I want to say about balance today. It's self-acceptance. Yes, balance is being in harmony. Balance is feeling centered. But that's not just an on and off switch for us. So for me, balance begins with self-acceptance. And so I would invite you to ask yourself this morning, how are you at accepting yourself as you are, where you are, however you are? How are you at accepting yourself as you are, where you are, however you are, in joy or in sorrow, in confusion or in clarity? In fear or in abundant love? In physical pain or in physical thriving? How are you at accepting yourself just as you are? And when I am able to do that for myself, it's kind of like being a gymnast on a balance beam. All of a sudden, I'm able to straighten out. And I begin to realize, especially if I've been feeling negative feelings, it's actually not even the negative feelings that were a problem. It was the fighting them. It was the resisting them. It was the defending against the negative experience that was actually keeping me out of the flow of being in balance with who I really am. I love something Carl Rogers said. He said, the curious paradox is when I accept myself as I am, then I can change. When I accept myself as I am, then I can change. I think it's true in so many different areas. When I can accept my life as it is, then I can change my life when I can accept and see the state a relationship is, then I can change that relationship. But it's not until I get really honest, until I can really see and maybe even test that I can begin to transform and if I'm fighting it, I'm resisting it, then I'm just keeping out of my own flow of love even though I'm avoiding hurt or fear. So it's good when we ask ourselves, even if you don't share it with others, how am I doing? How are you doing? today. I'm hurting. How are you doing today? I'm tired. How are you doing today? I'm a little lonely. I don't know why. How are you doing today? I don't know. It doesn't matter what the answer is, but when we can be transparent to ourselves, there is something that draws us back to center, that draws us into a greater balance of being and therefore into becoming. One of my favorite ways to come into balance is meditation. I have a daily meditation practice. Everyone, anyone else here have one? Very important to me. And do you ever have that experience of having your meditation hacked? <laughs> yeah. You sit down in the morning. You, I got a good book, a cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. And then the construction starts outside, right? Then the flood of work text messages flows in. Uh, the kids get up earlier than I expected, and all of a sudden, I'm off-center. And for me, meditation is the most important thing I do each day. And so when that meditation's off, I'm kind of off, and I'm always trying to get back to that, that place, that center, that sense of the sacred. And it's even worse when um, you find your own consciousness has spyware in it, <laughs> right? Right? And I had this experience a couple years ago being here at Mile High Church. We're ministers, but I'll speak for myself. I'm also a bit of a workaholic, so we get really really busy here. And I was sitting down to meditate, and maybe this happens for you too, but I would start remembering all the stuff I forgot to do yesterday that I said I was going to do. And I started remembering all those little things that I knew I needed to do today or tomorrow and I didn't want to forget. And I would get so frustrated with myself. I called it, oh shoot, meditation. (laughs) Actually, I called it something close to that. <laughs> but it's this, this process of remembering, oh shoot, the stuff that I was supposed to do or have to do, and it was taking me off center, and I was getting mad at myself. You're not being spiritual enough. You're not spiritually feeding yourself enough. You're disconnected. And it took a little while of being mad at myself to finally get to the point of just listening, recognizing and acknowledging that was what was taking place, and then just deciding to get a little notepad And a little pen. And Josh, when one of those O shoots come up, you write it down and you get back to center. This was kind of a cool thing because then this O shoot became kind of an alarm clock to become more aware, to come back to the divine, to come back to who I am. And sometimes it takes that acknowledgement of just being where we are to actually give us the center and the tools we need to get back to the sacred. I love something Shinru Suzuki great meditation teacher said. He said, it's not the purpose of meditation to discover your true nature, but when you meditate, it's as if your true nature resumes itself. so good for us to remember those things that we can connect with that allows our true nature to resume itself. Balance is self-acceptance and balance is whatever it takes to get you back to love balances whatever it takes to get you back to love. See, that's one of the things about this greater good, this ability to know as we are known. It holds for us not only that love is what we want, but love is who you are. It's this presence that holds us in unconditional love so that we can become and express and be one with that love. And I don't mean this in just kind of this airy-fairy, oh, kind of way. But we should take this seriously, that love is who we are. And if we take it seriously, it begs the question that, is it true, then, that every reaction I have, every choice that I make, every feeling I feel, positive or negative, is relative to who I am? Is it relative to love? And it sounds kind of simple, but it's profound to me that when I can recognize that I'm grieving, that not only is it because of loss, but I also grieve because I love. It's profound to me to realize that, yes, I'm angry because I'm not getting what I want, but I'm also angry because I love, because there is something that I do want. That I get into fear because something's making me nervous, but also because I love, I love life. And when we can see that love, that even in a challenging situation is calling us back to our being and becoming, we can be in this space where we are known where we can know as we are known. My good friend uh, Charlie McClung, he and I would write, oh gosh, 20 years ago, and he created this powerful diagram, so shout out to you, Charlie, that just simply puts it this way, that love is the center of who we are, and sometimes these unpleasant yet meaningful emotions can come up for us. And where we make a mistake, take that word in quotes, is when we forget the relationship to these without love, and we pitch a tent in them, right? When I forget that my fear at some level is because of love, uh, I become long-term anxious, right? I get into places of panic. I forget who I am. When I stay in grief so long that I forget that it's about love, um, it takes me into deeper depression. When I stay too long in envy, I get judgmental. I get into places of inaction, When I stay in anger for too long, I build a fortress of frustration. I become an angry behemoth towards those around me. And I I forget that if I can just accept these feelings as they are and see that they're relative to love, they can take me back there. Again, it doesn't mean anchor in in them, but it does mean respect them. It does mean having that ability to recognize that there is nothing that happens in me that I can't use to be for me that there's nothing so icky or bad or wrong, especially about who I am, that I can't take that negative experience or that challenge that may come up and use it as a way to come back to the truth of who I am and why I'm here. Of all the ways our movement has evolved in the last hundred years, and in particular in the last 50, is it was our way in metaphysics in the past to do something we would call, turn away from the condition right? Or to put another way, deny the problem. If you see fear, if you see anger, recognize it as an illusion and turn away from it. And there was some wisdom in this, in the sense that we should dwell on that which we want to experience, right? We should keep a positive mindset. But I think a lot of us have learned, and I'll just speak for myself in my own life, that sometimes it isn't until I can accept that there's a problem, or accept a negative experience, that I can get to that place of really remembering and inviting that greater spirit into my life. Yes, spirit gives us insight on reality, but our reality can also give us an insight and a transparency into the spirit, into the truth of who we are by coming back to love. I love something that Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who made his transition a couple months ago, uh, he's talking about forgiveness, but he's talking exactly about the point I'm wanting to make here. He says, Forgiving and being reconciled to our enemies or our loved ones is not about pretending that things are other than they are. It is not about patting one another on the back and turning a blind eye to the wrong. True reconciliation exposes the awfulness, the abuse, the hurt, the truth. It could even sometimes make things worse. It is a risky undertaking, but in the end it is worthwhile because in the end, only an honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing. Superficial reconciliation can bring only superficial healing. Once again, at the end there, only an honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing. Superficial reconciliation can bring only superficial healing. And I would argue that a superficial spirituality can only bring about a a superficial way of life. And so we're called to look at this wide universe, even the most challenging parts in our world, and to know, to seek, to find that place of love in ourselves, even when we don't see it around us, to practice it, to bring it forward so that we can be the spiritual being we know we are in our lives. Balance is self-acceptance. Balance is whatever gets you back to love. And balance is sanctuary. If you want to get back into balance, go to your sanctuary. Find your sanctuary. Cultivate your sanctuary. Do you have those sanctuaries in your life? Those things that bring together your interiority with your exteriority. They bring forth your inner life and your outer life so that they resonate together. And just like Suzuki said, in your sanctuary, it's not that you discover your true nature, your true nature resumes itself. That part of you that's knowing as you are known, that's always available to us, that that greater good that can bring us back into balance. It's right there in those spaces. Uh, The great Mary Oliver, perhaps uh, one of our greatest authors of the last century, great poet. She grew up with parents who were good people, but they were incapable parents. They didn't really want to have a kid, and in their own behavior, they kind of let young Mary know that. So she was neglected and she never saw her parents happy when they were around her. She'd see them happy when they were doing something else. And so she never quite felt herself. She never quite felt that she was okay. And she tells the story of being just a little girl and they're out in the forest. Her parents take her out into the woods and she gets lost. Then she shares the following. I walked all one spring day upstream. Sometimes in the midst of ripples, sometimes along the shore. My company were violets, Dutchman's breeches, spring beauties, trillums, bloodroot ferns rising so curled one could feel the upward push of the delicate hairs on their bodies. My parents were downstream, not far away, then farther away because I was walking the wrong way, upstream instead of downstream. Finally, I was advertised on the hotline of help. And yet there I was, slopping along happily in the stream's coolness. So maybe it was the right way after all. If this was lost, let us all be lost always. My heart opened and opened again. The water pushed against my effort. Then its glassy permission to step ahead touched my ankles. The sense of going forward toward the source. I do not think that I ever, in fact, returned home." Where are those places? Where are those spaces? When are those times when you discover that nature of who you are, where it resumes itself? Where is that place where you can go where you can get lost and find yourself again and again? Where you can let your hair down and feel at home? Where you can know that no matter what you're feeling, it's okay. It's welcome there that place that restoreth your soul and gets you back in that glimpse of knowing as you are known again in that magnificence of your spirit and your light in your soul. And it's in the sanctuary that we can then begin to see our relationships, our challenges, whatever's going on, not in the light of who we are in them, but in that light of divinity that can help heal them, motivate them, inspire us, and bring us to a greater degree of livingness. Mary Oliver would discover nature, and through discovering nature, she would discover the transcendentalist poets like Walt Whitman, and she would discover writing, and she would discover her craft of poetry, which was again her her sanctuary that she could return to again and again. Where is your sanctuary? Anybody? I'm listening, I really am. (laughs) In my mind. In my mind, nice. Mountains, beautiful. Your porch. Beautiful. Yoga mat. Yoga mat. All right. The movies. The movies. Good stuff. You know, for, for a lot of us, uh, it's right here. It's in the sanctuary that we mo- most of us return to e- each week. You know, Mile High Church is a place where I can come and remember who I am and bring that knowledge back into my life, where I can refresh my soul. For my dad, it was his record collection and getting lost and found in the music. For my mom, it was her books and getting lost and found and the works of Steinbeck and great authors. When you're struggling to know where your sanctuary is, when you can't find one because things seem so difficult, remember that you're a sanctuary too. Remember that you are a sacred space as well. And when we can't find sanctuary around us because we know what it is within us, we can call it forth and bring a breath of fresh air, bring a breath of fresh spirit into any circumstance. Sometimes I have a little mantra. I like to say to myself, it goes like this. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. You can say it along with me a couple times if you like. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. And we cultivate, we remember that true nature that's already in operation, and we can begin to download it into our relationships, into our work, into our experiences. The greatest gift of my life, the greatest sanctuary, as many as as I have out there, is when I am capable of being a sanctuary for other people. What a gift. There's nothing that brings me back in alignment with the truth of who I am than seeking to be a sacred space and a safe place for others. To know that I can be a safe place for you to let your hair down and feel at home that I can be a safe place and a sacred space for someone to just be themselves wherever they're at, however they're feeling. It's good to know that I can just be a sacred space for whatever the divine might come forth through another person or through me. It's great to know that I could do my best just to be like a loving, cool shade that someone can hang out in, if only for 30 seconds. You know, what a way to get back into balance. And this is the truth of you as well. You have to think about those, those people or those interactions and how you're showing up in the world, uh, either believing theoretically or actually being that sacred that we know is at the heart of all of life. To again quote from Oliver, because she's such a good writer, it would be dumb not to continue to quote her a bit. She says, Sometimes the desire to be lost again as long ago comes over me like a vapor. With growth into adulthood, responsibilities claim me. So many heavy coats. I didn't choose them. I don't fault them. But it took me time to reject them. Now in the spring I kneel. I put my face into the packets of violets, the dampness, the freshness, the sense of everness. Something is wrong. I know it. If I don't keep my attention on eternity. May I be the tiniest nail in the house of the universe tiny but useful. May I stay forever in the stream. And that stream is that greater good. That stream is doing our best to to remember and know as we are known. That stream is the everlasting wellspring of immortal life in each one of us. It sounds like science fiction a little bit, I know. But when you can remember that heart of life that brought you into being and you can stay with it, you stay at one with your true nature and the byproduct of that is that your nature expresses itself as greater peace of mind, as greater healing in your relationships, is that greater sense of balance that helps you to feel like you're living your life again and like it's not being lived by someone else, that it's not someone else's life. Finding that resonance where we connect our inner life with our outer life. Being willing to practice that self-acceptance. Realizing that every situation that feels like not love is an opportunity to come back into that love, that stream that you are. There's no more creative power in this universe when we identify it. When we find it and discover it through self-acceptance. And where we see it's already operating this powerful nature to wonderful effect in who we are and in all that we do. So taking a moment to move into prayer this morning and invite all of our beautiful prayer practitioners to stand and join me if they so choose. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. I am a safe place. I am sacred space. Knowing that as I affirm this for myself, I invite that divine secret that I know of spiritual truth, of oneness in all humanity. That the purpose for all of us is to live in freedom and justice and in joy. When I know that truth of myself, I become a beacon I create the altarpiece for the divine to come forward in my heart and in my life. And I know that it does. And I invite us to take a moment to accept ourselves, however we are in this moment, but to bring our awareness to those essential relationships, to whatever's going on in our work or way of doing in the world, to all those places where we see brokenness and dismay in the world. We know and we trust that that deeper knowing, that deeper wellspring, the stream of life itself is simply awaiting our recognition to come forward, to heal, to bring grace to the frustrated, to bring inspiration to the downtrodden, to bring freedom to those who experience their life as binding them down. I know that there is spiritual healing in this room, in this sanctuary that we create in person and online today. I know that there's a powerful, mile-high consciousness that heals, that uplifts, that reminds, that centers and grounds in that spiritual balance that allows us to be one with who we are and all we came here to be. We are the perfect vessel of divine spirit expressing through each of us uniquely authentically with a willingness to grow and grow. We let it become with gratitude. We let it be. We let it grow. And so it is.